to do that. So God bless you, Robin, and Thank come you. and minister again to us here at Daybreak. Thank you very much. It's always good to be here. Yeah, always great uh, to be here. Well, uh, it's good to be here, especially on uh, a long weekend uh, like today. Man, uh, Canada Day is uh, is always a, a fun weekend to be with. I got a, I got a buddy, a Jeremiah. Uh, he just uh, uh, ended up in Canada at Ambrose, where I've been taking my master's, finishing up there. He just landed in uh, January, and so uh, today is his. This weekend is his first uh, Canada Day, and his wife and one-year-old daughter just arrived last Tuesday, and so they are together. Uh, for their very first Canada Day today, so uh, that part is uh, is really great. Uh, well, well, guys, it's uh, it's it's always uh, fun coming here, and and I really enjoy uh, preaching on the Book of Mark, and that's what I did uh, last uh, time I was here as well. I, I seem to like Mark because uh, it kind of quickly goes through uh, a gospel, kind of like if you have ADD, right? You'll kind of really love reading Mark, right? Because he just bounces uh, from one thing to the next, right? And as we kind of journey with Jesus. Jesus. And Mark begins in Galilee. I gotta move this up a little bit, a little, sh- a little taller. Oh, there we go. Um, and Mark begins in Galilee where Jesus kind of proclaims, uh, Jesus as the Son of God, which is awesome. And then he's baptized and has his identity affirmed as the Son of God right there in chapter one. And then we bounce all the way, uh, to the end being in chapter 16, right? When we see Jesus at Golgotha where a non-believing centurion Right, proclaims Jesus once again as the Son of God. And shortly after that, some angels tell uh, the women at the tomb that Jesus was risen from the dead and that he will meet his disciples all the way back where it all began, back in Galilee. And so it kind of does this little, little, little circle where Jesus was once again telling people about the kingdom of God at the beginning and how to be forgiven, just like he ended Mark with forgiving people on the cross. It's a beautiful book. Beautiful book. So today we're looking at Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, okay, where Mark builds on the theme of identity and forgiveness, which is kind of the book. Okay, uh, and here we have that in chapter one. And he leads his readers to understand the identity of Jesus. And he tells them that Jesus has the power to control and cast out demons. He healed the sick and even heal the unclean lepers. And then in our passage, we're going to see Jesus reading the hearts of man. Okay, healing a paralytic and doing what only God can do, which is to forgive sin. Okay, which is where we find a group of people, they are crammed into this tiny house, uh, who, and then they have witnessed the unthinkable in their minds. Witness the unthinkable. An act of forgiveness of sin. And then a healing of a paralyzed man which just leaves them totally amazed. And they praise God saying in verse 12, we have never seen anything like this. Never seen anything like this. And so, let's read chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. It might be a little bit different uh, than your own, but that is okay. All right, and it says this. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no room, not even at the door. He was preaching the word to them. 
And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they found, uh, oh, and when they could not, uh, get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And then Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like this? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, he said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise and pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Whew, that would have been pretty awesome. Yeah, to be a part of that be a part of that wow the fan did you pick that up there was a fan the faithful the prideful and the paralytic the fan the faithful the prideful and the paralytic did you catch those and when you hear those words actually what memories or maybe images can I come to your mind when you're hearing those, the, the fan, the faithful, the prideful, and the paralytic. So are you a fan? Like, are you one of those fans that kind of, you know, even paints up their face? Is it a fanatical fan, right, decked out in their team colors? Are you one of those kind of fans who cheers and high fives, is super loud and intense, right, and you really wish you could be in the game versus in the stands? Are you one of those fans? Or are you a fan that actually enjoys sitting on the couch cheering on your team, enjoys being in the, in the crowd, enjoys watching the game from a distance? Which one are you? Or are, are you one of uh, the friends, the faithful friends, who, has, who, who always just shows up right on time when they're needed? Right? Uh, you engage with, with those friends and you share in those deep pains of others, right? And also those deep belly laughs, right? With, with those good friends, right? And you just share life with one another. Are you a faithful friend? Or did you remember a friend, right? Uh, who is just so blindfully prideful and they are self-righteous. It just astounds you. It totally astounds you. Because obviously it's not you, right? It can't be you. It totally can't be you. Yeah. Or did you think of yourself or a friend who's kind of paralyzed? You're kind of stuck. You are seized up inside in a certain area of life based on a past situation or experience that has just kept you from being healed or keeps you from moving forward in your relationship with Jesus or a certain person. You see, our passage has four 
people to interact with Jesus. Four different people. And let's do our best to kind of put ourselves into this passage uh, today, into this story, and engage and see what Jesus wants to teach each of us about ourselves and about Jesus. And so let's pause and pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, have your way with us today. Speak to our hearts, our soul, our mind, and change how we live our life today. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would soften our hearts because we, we need it. We can have hard hearts and open our ears to, the, to your word and make it come alive within us so that it changes how we live and how we treat others. And, and Jesus, read our heart and give us that courage that we're going to need to come to you and to live uh, for you. And Father God, I, I thank you for being the one who just empowers us through your Holy Spirit uh, and that you are the one who will empower us to bring not only ourselves but our loved ones and friends to you so that we can all receive the healing and and forgiveness that we need from Jesus. Because uh, we all need to hear those beautiful words that we read in verse 5. Your sins are forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first person was the fan. The fan. The fan is found in the beginning and the end of our passage in verse 2 and verse 12, if you want to take a look. Now these fans are, are crowd members. They're kind of observers, right? They are excited to hear Jesus teach and see what's going to happen next. It's exciting. But they just don't want to get involved, actually. You know, notice that Mark, in Mark's passage, he doesn't mention them doing anything. Uh, they don't get up to help the paralyzed guy, help him to get to Jesus. They don't move to create a path in the house to Jesus. They don't even get up to help carry the man onto the roof or to create a hole or to help lower him down uh, from the roof to the feet of Jesus. No, these fans got comfortable. They got comfortable. They loved watching the situation unfold right before them while they're listening to Jesus. That's what they loved. They, you see, they love being near all the action and excitement around Jesus, but they just don't want to involve themselves in it. You know, this group is, is can be kind of like some of us. It totally can. It can be like us who attend church sometimes, church events, small groups, Sunday services, because we love to watch. We love to watch. We love to be near the action, but not fully involved. We're big fans who love to cheer on Team Jesus. We really do. But we have no intention of really playing the discipleship game. Right? We keep a safe distance so that we can be seen. We love that. We can watch. We can listen. And we can start to cheer and praise God like verse 12 says. Right? And glorifying God because of all the amazing things that we see Him doing. Because these are the fans. We're committed to the crowd, but not so committed to being involved in the work of Jesus. So if that's you, you know that that's you. Right? And so just be honest with yourself if that's you, and don't pretend that you're something that you're not. But I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He loves you where you're at, but he doesn't want you to stay there. He doesn't want you to stay there. 
He wants to shift your heart and wants to strengthen you and strengthen those faith muscles uh, in you and involve you in what he's doing because you can make a difference in a person's life. That's why God didn't design you just to sit and just observe. He didn't. He wants you to be involved in people's lives and walk beside them and carry them to Jesus. He wants you to do that. He wants you to take all that dedication and love of being a fan and just kind of shift it and move it towards some of your friends who need to discover who Jesus is. Just make that little shift. Just make that little shift. Because they need to discover who Christ is. They need Christ's forgiveness and healing just as much as you. So if you're a fan who's kind of disengaged, right? You've flipped that switch. And I ask that you flip it back. And just engage. Take a step towards Jesus. Stop disengaging with Him. Stop ghosting God. Stop procrastinating in that area of life that you've been sinning against Him. And just come to Jesus because He will forgive you. He will help you with your attitude and your lack of action. He will heal you of that. And you will hear the same words that the paralytic heard. Your sins are forgiven. So come to Him. Come to Him and be strengthened by the Holy Spirit and be empowered to do God's work and be forgiven by Him. The second person in here, the faithful. The faithful. The faithful are found in verses 3 and 4 as we begin. we got four faithful friends who get involved in what God is doing. They are engaged in the work of Jesus, right? They're full of hope and determination because they want Jesus to give their friend a new life. That's what they want. They want their friend to receive healing and forgiveness from Jesus. And they, these four, they choose to work around different obstacles that kind of come their way. They're willing to get creative and caring for their friend. And they're, they're going to walk beside their friend and carry them to Jesus no matter what it's going to take. Right? The faithful are also disruptive, which is what I like. I like that they're disruptive. Right? They're willing to make people uncomfortable. You know, they totally are. And I'm sure a few of them in there were, got a little grouchy at the same time. Right? Because they're loud. Right? They, they tore a hole in the roof, for heaven's sake. This thatch roof that's like, it would have been two feet deep. I want you to know that. Two feet deep of dirt and branches right, that are all layered, and then they lower a man through it. They worked hard to peel back all those layers, and you know that then there would have been dust and dirt and twigs like falling on people all over the place. And that would have been super annoying if you're like just focused on trying to hear Jesus. But you're not really paying attention to the real sermon that's going on. The real sermon that's going on. But these four friends, right, they're willing to take a risk. They're willing to annoy people, and, and, I'm, and I'm assuming they were willing to absorb the cost of repairing the roof of Simon's mom's house uh, that we found out about uh, there in chapter 1 because it was all an expression of love and faith to bring their friend to Jesus. The faithful friends were convinced that Jesus would do something in the life of their friend, and they're willing to do anything to get him there. Anything. Does that describe you? 
Are you a faithful friend to someone that you're trying to bring to Jesus? Do you have the love and determination to bring your friend to Jesus? Do you have faith that He will bring them healing and forgiveness? Do you have that? And maybe you need some help. Are you willing to involve maybe two or three others like this passage you know, it kind of gives us an example of, because there's four of them, how to, to help you love and care for that person in hopes that they will come to know Jesus. However you answer that question, you know, I, I hope you engage with Jesus and your friends just at a, at a new level. It doesn't matter how old we are or how young we are. It's at a new level. Because if you need to start being a faithful friend, then just simply admit where you're at. And that you need some help. And that you're going to come to Jesus just like we've been talking about. I'd simply admit you're living life your own way. And you're not really following God's way. And then just ask God for forgiveness. right? And begin doing what God is asking you to do. And then gain the strength that you need from Him and His Holy Spirit and healing in that area. And then you're going to hear the words that Jesus spoke to the paralyzed man. Your sins are forgiven. So you too can become a faithful friend who demonstrates who Jesus is to your friends. You see, uh, I know a friend, uh, a woman who has been a faithful friend to her hairdresser, her hairdresser for 30 years. Good grief. That's amazing, right? Amazing. She actually committed herself to talking to her about God and Jesus and just kind of sharing life with her over those years. It's actually over 30 years now from the last time I chatted with her. Now, and, and she would have, she just committed to just asking her how her life was and that she was going to pray for her and her family from time to time when she would go on holidays or different things. She would bring back, you know, thoughtful and special gifts because she knew uh, what her family liked and she was just building friendship. It wasn't that she was, you know, a hairdresser and a client. It was that they were friends walking through life together and getting your hair done was just a moment in time to share life together, right? And as decades passed, she became more and more curious of Christ, right? More and more curious of Christ and, and the faith that, uh, that Jane had in this loving relationship. And so after 30 years of hairstyles and colorings and conversation and prayer, right, and just sharing life together, she gave her life to Christ. She received forgiveness, salvation, and this life evermore uh, with God and Christ in heaven. Now, I understand that some of your friendships may not last as long as that, uh, but that's okay. You know, it may be a shorter one. Either way, we're called to be faithful ones who bring our friends to Jesus regardless of how long it takes. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us with all of that. The third, the prideful. The prideful are seen in the main context here, verses 6 through 11, because chapter 2 is the beginning of actually five episodes of conflicts with, with Pharisees. In chapter 2, in the beginning of, of chapter 3. And here Jesus responds to the scribes and the Pharisees. And there, the, these religious leaders, you might know what they're about. They are like the, 
the police keepers of God's law, right? They're the elite authority on Scripture, and they held the spiritual power and the high status in society, right? They gave them, uh, which sorry, which gave them a real attitude, a, a problem. It really did, a prideful attitude, and it began to really flip their attitude with God and their relationship with God. It distorted their view of really who was supposed to serve who in this relationship. That's what happened. They stopped expressing the heart of God and they started neglecting to serve up love and kindness to God's people. Instead, they became entitled, authoritative and judgmental. And it's like they became a spiritual Grinch, actually. A spiritual Grinch whose heart became just small, paralyzed, right, crippling their mind and disabling God's ability to use them to care for the needs of His people and bringing them to Him in loving ways. And this created a lot of tension. A lot of tension when the Pharisees came to, to, uh, in, into being there, when, when the two of them started chatting it up, because Jesus was showing them an, uh, a different way. He was preaching and teaching about God's kingdom because he not only spoke about God's truth, but he demonstrated and the complete opposite attitude of the Pharisees. And he started to live out that attitude and that kingdom of God through his life by serving others and pointing people to God through these kind and loving acts. That's what he did. So the prideful, is that you? Are you a prideful one? Have you become an entitled Christian? An entitled Christian who once had a loving, serving heart, but now it's become filled with arrogance, become filled with judgment. Has your, has your attitude actually paralyzed your mind? Paralyzed you from actually loving others like God loves you and like God loves me? Is this you? If it is, and then ask Jesus for forgiveness. Ask Him to actually heal your heart. Right? Enlarge your heart. Ask Him to give strength and power to your paralyzed mind and attitude. Right? So that you can love others like He loves and forgives you. And then you will hear Him say those beautiful words, son and daughter. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Fourth, it's the paralytic. The paralytic, he's got some friends. Yeah, he's got some friends who help to save him because he's in a position where he, he just can't save himself. He can't. He can't get himself to Jesus. He has no ability, he has no power, no strength, no authority, or influence over others. He's powerless, and he's rather dependent on others to care for him and provide for all his needs. And, you know, this person is willing to see Jesus. Uh, He just needs some help. Just needs some help. He's obviously very aware of his shortcomings and all of his special needs that he has, because in ancient times, right, uh, his physical disabilities would actually place him at the very bottom of society, at the social status, and it would automatically have classified him as a sinner in that society. 
and his physical condition would have been blamed on himself or his parents, actually, for some sin that they had done, known or unknown, against God. And this was a similar you know, mindset concerning people with leprosy or blindness in that culture. And the reason that they had it must be a punishment of God. Must be a punishment of God. But that's not true. It's totally not true. But in the ancient world, it was true uh, to them. They believed that, the, that that was due to their sin and God was punishing them. Thankfully, that's not true. So just imagine being him, just for a moment. Imagine being him. You're powerless to change your circumstances. You're feeling rejected all the time. You're punished by God day after day. You feel like this, and then people remind you of that. They remind you of how unworthy you are, of how rejected you are you are and they judge you and reject you and they push you aside because there's no way that they want to be friends with you not a chance because they have this perceived you know look of your sin they have this perceived look on your sin which isn't true but that's how they looked at you but then then something happens right but then imagine this the four friends. Four friends. Four friends put feet to their faith. They put some action to their, their faith. Feet to their faith and make a move despite the perceived societal sin and his physical condition. Those four friends, they just choose to care. They care. They care. Yeah. They look beyond the social status. They look beyond the lifestyle. They look beyond that person's outlook of life. And they put a plan together to bring him to Jesus. That's what they do. They work together. And now from what I could gather, right, from Scripture, this man seems to know that he's not being kidnapped, right? He seems to know that. He's not going to be held for ransom as he's being taken away. He seems to know these people. He's built a relationship with these people, you know, with these four, and he's because he's willing to be carried. He's actually willing to be put in harm's way. He's willing to be lifted somehow onto the roof of a house, and then willing to be lowered in some ancient Mission Impossible style way, right down uh, this hole through the through the roof to the feet of Jesus. That's what he's willing to do, and that is a crazy level of trust and love that he has. With these four friends. He trusts them. And what I find really interesting as we read through that, the paralyzed guy, I don't know if you noticed it, he didn't speak. He doesn't say one word in that whole episode. Not one word. He doesn't speak to the four friends. He doesn't speak to the crowd or the fans. He doesn't speak to the Pharisees. He doesn't even speak to Jesus. Doesn't say a thing. He simply trusts and allows himself to be loved. He allows himself to be loved just as he is an unworthy person, a person who feels unworthy, 
who feels not good enough, who feels rejected as an outcast, who was feeling unloved and punished and judged by God even. And he just trusts and allows himself to be loved. He was willing to display all of his vulnerable, crippling insecurities and fears at the feet of Jesus because he believed that Jesus was different. He believed that Jesus could do something. He was hoping that Jesus would do something. Something. And I believe the paralytic, he knew that meeting Jesus was worth the risk because of the love and healing and forgiveness that he had heard about. He knew that it was worth it. This paralyzed man teaches us that in the ancient world and even our modern world, and the human heart, it's not any different. It's not any different than ours. Yeah, because we need to allow ourselves to be loved by Jesus. We need to allow ourselves to be loved by our friends. We need to allow ourselves to to be loved as a child of God, to trust that when we can come to Jesus just as we are, just as we are with all of our insecurities, our broken hearts, our fears, our self-esteem challenges, with all of our feelings of powerlessness and shame and guilt and whatever else is, you know, kind of crippling us with maybe our pride or our greed or our addiction whatever it is we can come to jesus as our authentic self and be loved be forgiven and be healed because jesus is the one who forgives he's the one who heals heals the heart the soul the mind and the body when we are willing to come to him when we're willing to come to him and I pray that you are. And I pray that the friends that you have, that they will be willing to come to Him right along with you. So whichever group that you connected with most today, I encourage you to come to Jesus just as you are. To receive His healing and forgiveness and hear Jesus speak over you. Your sins are forgiven. They are forgiven. And that He would bring strength and joy to your heart as He restores your relationship with God and with the community that you're a part of. And may He remind all of us of our deep need for friends. We need friends who will walk alongside us and sometimes carry us as well to Jesus when we need Him the most. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you praise and we pray from from Psalm 18 today as I uh, look at the message translation and I thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you that you stand with us and that you want to save us and that you actually surprise us with your love. You do. And God, You make our lives more complete. And when we place our lives, our our lives that are in many times just in pieces before you, God, you you mend us back together. You give us a fresh start. And so, Father, help us to become more alert of your ways. Uh, Help us not to take you for granted and have that entitled attitude. And Father, every day I ask, Lord, that you would, by your Spirit, give us 
the ability to see what you're doing in and around us, Father. And so, Father, I thank you for putting each of us back together again when we put our trust in Christ. Thank you so much for doing it. Thank you for forgiving us and saving us. And thank you for just writing uh, yourself into our life, writing yourself into our heart so that we can have an everlasting relationship with you when we give our life uh, to you. Thank you, Father, for all the things that you do, seen and unseen. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.